Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the program. We're live on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. It is nine minutes after five o'clock. We've got some beautiful sunshine in downtown South Bend on this Wednesday, October the 5th of 2022. Really appreciate you stopping by on this Wednesday as the Fighting Irish football team coming off a bye week, getting back into the routine of a game week as they get set to fly out to Las Vegas where they will take on BYU Cougars, Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff, South Bend time. Of course, the ball game right here on WSBT Radio. Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris will call, I know, a terrific game out there at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Our local pregame coverage is going to get started, I believe, at 1 o'clock. There is a Marcus Freeman radio show Tomorrow night, airing from 7 until 8, we will replay the Marcus Freeman radio show to kick off our pregame coverage Saturday at 1 o'clock. Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show with Jim Arizari and Tim Growl. It's a Notre Dame football interview-based two-hour program. You'll hear from some of the Notre Dame greats from the past on that particular program. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka and I will have Game Day Sports Beat powered by Michelob Ultra from 4 until 6.30. The national coverage of the Irish begins at 6.30. Jim returns with legendary Irish running back Reggie Brooks after the game as they will bring you the official 
Notre Dame football postgame show right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A reminder, our local coverage of Notre Dame football will be available at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app, Odyssey app. That is a way to listen to Notre Dame football if you'd like to check out the Fighting Irish on your phone while you're out and about. Well, we have plenty of Notre Dame football talk to get to on the program tonight. You're going to hear from Fighting Irish Offensive Coordinator Tommy Reese. We have our Twitter question of the day. Kalani Sataki is the head coach of BYU. He knows what it takes to beat the Fighting Irish. He was a fullback on the 1994 BYU team that came to Notre Dame Stadium and beat the Fighting Irish 21-14. to Now he'll try to lead his alma mater to victory over the Irish in Vegas. Sataki talked about this matchup with Notre Dame being an underdog despite being the ranked team and the team with a better record. And also he offered his thoughts on the Notre Dame roster. Plus he did reminisce a little bit about that trip to South Bend back in 1994 and walking away with a seven-point victory. We've got our My 5 question of the day, five keys for the Irish defense to have success against BYU. Who's a lock to win? Who's going down from the teams right now in the Associated Press Top 10? We'll take a look at the big games coming up this weekend in college football that could help shape the playoff picture. We've got another sports wagering segment to get to here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We'll be looking ahead to the wild card series in Major League Baseball with tonight's picks. Also, you will hear from Fighting Irish running back Audric Estime coming up in the 6 o'clock hour here on WSBT Radio. Well, this morning I was talking to myself. Actually, I was talking out loud testing my voice, hoping it was going to be a little stronger today. By my ears, it's a lot stronger because I don't have to dig deep to get the words out today, so that's a promising sign. This is where I was last week at this time. Then I called the Notre Dame hockey game on Sunday, and it just wrecked my voice, and I've been trying to build my voice back up. I only talk basically when I'm on the show Or if somebody asks me a question or I'm having a conversation, I try not to talk otherwise to try to not irritate my vocal cords any more than they are at this particular time. So based on the fact that Monday and Tuesday was a real struggle talking after calling that Notre Dame hockey game on Sunday, I am going to take the weekend off from calling Notre Dame hockey on our sister station Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. I'm just going to focus on Notre Dame football. Otherwise, I'm going to be talking for five hours straight Friday and Saturday. And you can imagine what I'm going to sound like Monday and Tuesday once again. So I'm going to do my best to rest up this weekend. So we're passing along the hockey duties to the voice of Irish basketball, Tony Simeone. Of course, he calls Notre Dame hockey on television the last few years. He will do a terrific job. He'll be calling the game off a monitor as Notre Dame will take on number one Denver and Air Force this weekend. So hope you'll tune in to Fighting Irish Hockey. My vocal cords are going to need a, a little break, I think. So hopefully on Monday there will be a big, big difference. That's at least the goal at this particular time. 
All right, it's 14 minutes after 5 o'clock. Let's talk some football with you on this Wednesday, October the 5th of 2022. Just a couple of days before the Irish return to the field, trying to get over the 500 mark for the first time this year as the 2-2 two and two Irish take on the 4-1 and one BYU Cougars. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. All right. Had to take that big sip of water. Now I'm ready to go. Let's go. Tommy Reese, Fighting Irish Offensive Coordinator, met the media last night following Notre Dame's practice. So let's provide you the opportunity to get some insight from the play caller of the Fighting Irish and what's happening with his unit, fresh off, having a really good performance a week and a half ago in Chapel Hill against North Carolina, a 45-point performance by the Fighting Irish offense, highlighted by 287 rushing yards. They would have had a 50-burger had it not been for a fumble at the goal line by Audric Estime in the fourth quarter. And Audric was asked about that last night, and I don't think he slept very well or for a couple of days knowing that he... A, coughed up the football, which, of course, is a big no-no. There's a lot of pride in that running back room. You think back the last few years, how many times Notre Dame and their running backs have fumbled, let alone lose a fumble? It has not happened very often. That goes back to when Autry Denson was the running back coach a few years ago for Brian Kelly. And Audrick missed out on a chance to get into the end zone once again. But I think he'll be okay coming up that 100-yard rushing performance against North Carolina, part of the three-headed monster of Audric Estime, Chris Tyree, and Logan Diggs. Let's don't forget the previous week, the Notre Dame offense did just enough to beat California at Notre Dame Stadium. It wasn't like they were electric on the offensive side of the football. Drew Pine was starting his first game, and he was not throwing the ball very far down the field. In fact, the average was 2.9 yards per throw. They took care of the football pretty well. Defense held up, outscored Cal 10-0 in the fourth quarter, and the offense did not put up pinball-type numbers, but they got the win. They put up the pinball-type numbers against North Carolina, which was also a victory. Offensive coordinator Tommy Reese was asked last night where he believes the offense is getting better. Yeah, just offensive football is such a team game. You know, it's different than defense. Uh, You know, all we talk about is owning your role, doing your job, you know, so we're asking all of our guys and a lot of time it's simple things, right? It's just, you know, the, the ability to repetitively do the little things and that's what leads to success. There's no secret formula, nothing's really changed. We're just continuing to emphasize the details and having guys focus on what they're trying to do, focus on what they can control. 
play for each other with effort and, you know, good things will come. I thought it was very interesting what Tommy said right off the bat. Offense is different from defense. Offense is about team ball. Now, offense sets the tone to the defense. The defense reacts to the offense, but I kind of think you need 11 parts working together on the defensive side of the football, just like you need 11 working together on the offensive side of the football. Maybe not. What do I know? We got into this discussion last night about what was real and what was fake from the North Carolina game. And from an offensive standpoint, I do believe the running game is going to take off. I think the combination of the offensive line gelling, being more consistent. I'll use the word what the coaches have said over and over this week. People are improving. And I think that's the case with Harry Heastan's group. I'm not a fan of the three running back system. But at the same time, I will admit, it worked very, very effectively against North Carolina. I like the Estime-Tyree combination personally. Nothing against Logan Diggs. I just like to be able to keep my running backs in a good rhythm. And I think it's much easier to do that with two running backs compared to three. Now, when Chris Tyree is going out at wide receiver, that can alter the way you look at the rotation. Then you can rotate and estimate and also digs but I like Chris Tyree getting his touches I just hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle in particular because estimate coming off a breakout game against North Carolina so I do think the offensive line and running game is ready to take off I'm just like you waiting to see where this passing game can go. We know what Michael Mayer can do. We know what Chris Tyree can do. Lorenzo Styles is becoming a much more consistent wide receiver, and then there's a bit of a drop-off. That's why I think everyone is very hesitant to say, hey, this offense is locked and loaded. They're ready to build off that Carolina game. What can this passing game do? There's an area where there needs to be improvement across the board. BYU's been okay against the pass so far this year, but let's see if Drew Pine can keep things rolling as he's completing 70% of his passes over his first two games. Now, again, the first game, there were a lot of throws close to the line of scrimmage, but his passes went on average six more yards down the field against North Carolina compared to California. Speaking of Drew Pine... His position coach and offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, discussed his continued development as he now has another chance to go through another game week, third straight time. He's been able to take those reps that the starter gets in a practice week. Yeah, nothing can replicate actually playing a game or taking the field. Um, You know, I think we got to continue to find a way to start fast, you know, somewhere the first two starts we gotta gotta improve upon. Um, I think you saw him get into a rhythm and, and uh, you know find some confidence, you know, some of the down the field passing game and you know really taking ownership of what we're trying to do offensively. And, you know you hope week to week you see steady improvement and you hope you know after the course of you know prolonged season you see a, a different player as we get you know going towards the back half of the schedule. You know I think one thing that's extremely promising right now I felt like Drew Pine 
for the most part, has looked very comfortable in the RPO system, the run-pass option. I think he's made some good decisions. Again, very accurate throwing the ball close to the line of scrimmage. He has not been asked to take deep shots. Again, we have to ask the question, who do you trust to go down the field and make a play on a deep shot? Who's he going to throw to? BYU's the football team right now. I think if you can jump ahead of them, they are the type of team that can push back with their quarterback, Jaron Hall. Their running game is very hit and miss. My estimation is that BYU is probably going to be below average in running the football against Notre Dame. I guess when we talk about estimate, it's the estimate, estimate, the estimate, estimation. That's hard to say, actually. Maybe we won't say that going forward. All right, so Drew Pine ready to roll against BYU, an older team. They use a lot of multiple defenses. What happens if Drew Pine goes down with an injury? Freshman Steve Angeli becomes the guy at quarterback for the Fighting Irish. So where do we stand with the young man from New Jersey? First, his head coach, Marcus Freeman. Yeah, every practice we're out there is beneficial for Steve because he's no longer taking scout team reps. He's taking real reps and understanding that at any moment he could be thrust into the game. So he's not, a, as I told him the other day, you're not a freshman anymore. You're one play away from being a starting quarterback at Notre Dame. And, and that's the reality of the situation. And uh, if it happens, he'll be ready to go. And so every day we prepare, we practice. It's a, a day for Steve Angeli to, to get better. And now his position coach, Tommy Reese, on the young freshman. I mean, there's certainly a lot more um, opportunities for him throughout practice. You know, hoping to get him in there at the end of the Carolina game didn't happen. Um, just to have, you know, some live experience. Um, yeah, I mean, the confidence grows every week. That's the message to Steve is that week to week, our only goal is to get better, right? Like when he asks what's the expectation is that from week three to week four to week five, there's steady improvement. Um, you know, he knows at any time, you know, his number can be called and there's a lot of teammates that are uh, relying on him. And, you know, we're not going to lower our expectations for the quarterback. We're going to continue to push and make sure that, you know, he understands that. And he's done a really nice job of owning the role he's in. And um, it's been exciting to see Steve. He's going to be such a better player uh, because of all these experiences moving forward. And again, you can't replicate what he's having to be asked to do right now. So extremely excited and proud of the way Steve's handled it. Boy, it would have been nice if Tommy could have gotten him in the game against North Carolina, but you really couldn't do that. Honestly, with the way the defense broke down a tad bit late in the ball game, the score got close enough where that wasn't the moment to put Steve Angeli into the football game. You had to stick with Drew Pine. You'd like to, but totally get why they could not go down that road. Obviously, if we ever got to that point, if this Saturday Angeli has to go in, the package is going to be much smaller. This is a guy that was a scout team quarterback at the start of the year. Now one snap away from being the quarterback of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So as he continues to learn and grow, Tommy Reese knows what he is capable of doing, what he is comfortable with in the playbook. So I'm sure he has something set aside in case that moment 
arrives. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully Drew Pine stays upright. But Steve Angeli is just a moment away from, hey, maybe making another big play. Angeli will take the snap. Five on the clock. He rolls to his left. He pumps. He'll run to the five, to the pylon. He dives. Touchdown, Steve Angeli, as time expires. Hey, I know that guy. He had a pretty good voice back then. Not anymore, obviously. That was from the blue goal game where Steve Angeli got the job done on the final play of the ball game, leading his team to victory. All right, now let's talk about BYU for a moment. I I teased it a second ago. BYU is a lot like Notre Dame. They use a lot of multiple fronts, and as Tommy Reese is going to tell you, you better have a scorecard like you do in baseball because they will use a lot of personnel. They're very multiple. They play a number of guys. I mean, they come out in waves. You know, there's probably 20 to 25 guys that play on their defense. So, like, similar to how we're multiple in personnel, they are too. Um, you know, week to week, they look a little different based on who they're playing. So you're preparing for, you know, something that you're taking an educated guess on. Um, they have good players. Bywater's a good player. Tuli's a good player. Um, coordinator does a great job. You know, uh, again, they've they've evolved within the defense that they've had over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Coach Yaki is he gives you a different challenge every week, and I think you got to try to figure out what that is. But um, you know, they have a veteran team. I think you know they have like the most returning production out of any team in the country from last year. So you know, you're going to get a lot of guys. Have been in the system, have grown in the system, know the adjustments. So, we've got our work cut out for us. But again, as much as we can focus on ourselves, that's that's going to be our emphasis. So, here's what we don't know it's a guess. Utah State played BYU at BYU last Thursday. BYU a 25 point favorite. BYU scraped and clawed their way by the Aggies 38 to 25. It was a game in which Utah State ran the ball better than they normally do. It was a game in which BYU, on average, with their run game, was below their norms. And what Utah State normally gives up on the ground, BYU went under that number as well. Is this a football team that peaked a little early, beating Baylor on their home field? How good is Baylor now after... They've been beaten a couple of times, including last Saturday in Waco by Oklahoma State, who was a top-10 football team. Did Utah State all of a sudden get better? They didn't score a point against Alabama. They have one win on the season, but they played one of their better games. Was it because they were playing their rival? Was it BYU letting down against what on paper is not a very good football team in Utah State, knowing That Las Vegas, the bright lights, Notre Dame coming up in their next contest. It's a lot to ponder. They looked great early in the year. The first couple of games, I thought BYU was going to back up my preseason pick that BYU was going to beat Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Now, I'm not so sure. Notre Dame is getting better. And again, we put a little asterisk by that Carolina game. But BYU has leveled off since that Baylor game. They played a very poor football game in Eugene, losing to Oregon. I mean, it was a blowout until BYU scored some late points. And then just a game 
they allowed Utah State to hang around and allowed Utah State to play good football. So was that BYU taking the Thursday off and looking ahead to Notre Dame? Or are they flatlining or regressing at this particular time? Well, Notre Dame is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the ranked team who has a better record. The Irish are 2-2. and BYU is 4-1. and we got a couple of more days to break down this matchup and then game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra Saturday from 4 until 6.30. Hope you'll stick around. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up. Yesterday's question centered around, were you a fan or are you a fan of the Shamrock Series game or would you rather have another home game at Notre Dame Stadium? We'll have that discussion and the results of the poll question coming up. As Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Notre Dame brings five. Bradley steps back in trouble. He sacks at the 15 yard line. JD Bertrand got him. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And down he goes. At the 16-yard line, Justin Adamilola got there first. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Oh, intercepted. This will be a pick six. Into the end zone goes Jack Kaiser. 42-yard touchdown. Twenty-three minutes in front of six o'clock at Sports Radio 960. WSBT, Darren Pritchard with you on this Wednesday evening. Again, the Marcus Freeman Show is back tomorrow night, 7 until 8 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It was a very emotional Notre Dame stadium for the California game a couple of weeks ago. Before the game, down on the field, part of pregame ceremonies was the great Irish linebacker Manti Teo. Of course, we all know about what happened to him his senior year at Notre Dame with the catfishing has went through a lot. The Netflix series came out offering him an opportunity to tell his side of the story and got just an amazing warm ovation from the Notre Dame fans and Manti visibly emotional with all the love he was receiving from the Notre Dame fan base. It's the first time he has been back on campus since his senior year at Notre Dame. Well, Manti Teo will be a part of the Shamrock Series game in Las Vegas. Manti will be a part of NBC's halftime coverage. And NBC's been doing a little feature this year, bringing back a Notre Dame alum and an alum of the opponent. And they have some conversations, Chris Zorich and Ahmad Bradshaw for Marshall, Justin Tuck and Shane Vereen for California. And it'll be Manti Tail representing the Notre Dame football alumni on NBC on Saturday. BYU tight end Chad Lewis is going to bring the Cougar perspective to that halftime feature. So a chance to hear once again from the great Manti Tail, a part of the NBC broadcast Saturday as the Irish take on BYU out in Las Vegas. 
This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It's that time of the program where we talk about poll questions on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. So yesterday, this was the question that I threw out at you. Are you a fan of the Shamrock Series game, or would you rather have an extra Irish home game at Notre Dame Stadium? We have tabulated the votes. 46.4% say they are a fan of the Shamrock Series game, so they would rather have that than an extra home game. But winning the vote... 53.6% of you said, you know, the Shamrock Series is okay, but I would rather have an extra home game. Now, I could imagine if you are someone that goes to a lot of Notre Dame football games, you would like the extra opportunity to see the Irish play at Notre Dame Stadium. I understand why you would vote that way. If you're a business owner in the area, I know why you would vote that way that's millions and millions of dollars going outside of the city with this home game going to las vegas i feel for las vegas they're so poor out there they they need this extra boost so i do get why some would rather have the extra home game i think you could argue that if the ultimate goal of the football program is to win a national championship, then you should vote for the extra home game over the Shamrock Series game. It is worth noting Notre Dame has not lost a Shamrock Series game, but this is going to be an extra wear and tear trip going to the West Coast to play a home game. Now, the great thing from a Notre Dame perspective, they get to take what a game day is like here in South Bend to other parts of the country for Irish fans to experience. And that is terrific. I'd like to see the extra home game because I'm more about this team getting to the playoffs and winning a national championship than having other people experience what we experience here in South Bend six or seven times a year. That's just me personally, but I'm sitting here in the media and we spend a lot of time talking Notre Dame football, whether it's in season or out of season, because here in South Bend, football rules. And every Irish fan wants to end the drought of not winning a title since 88. Now, so far, the Shamrock Series has not affected that. But in terms of wear and tear on the guys... Extra travel, heck, I'm okay with just another home game. But the Shamrock Series has been extremely successful for Notre Dame. You can't argue it. I'm not trying to argue it. I'm just looking at it from a different perspective. Fortunately, it's coming off a bye, so the guys are going to be a little more refreshed. I almost wish the bye came after this trip to Las Vegas. But we've got a Shamrock Series game coming up against... BYU in Las Vegas. We thank you so much for voting on yesterday's question. Here is today's question. We leave Notre Dame football 
for a moment with today's Twitter question of the day. Who do you believe is the best team in college football right now? Three choices. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. As an Irish fan, you know what Ohio State is all about. You saw the Irish go toe-to-toe with the Buckeyes in the horseshoe in week one. What about the teams from the SEC? Are you going to have recency bias considering Georgia's not played well to their standard anyway the last two games? What about Alabama maybe without Bryce Young for a week or two or a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury? We still don't know. So who's the best team right now? Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. You can vote on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. That's 960-SPORTSBEAT. Hope you'll come back tomorrow. We'll pass along the results of today's question. And we will have a brand new question ready for the Thursday edition of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Coming up next, Kalani Sataki is the head coach of BYU. His thoughts on the Fighting Irish come your way next on WSBT. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Eleven minutes in front of six o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports be brought to you by our title sponsor Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. South Bend Orthopedics team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business, and by Pet Refuge. Urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. It'll be Notre Dame and BYU this Saturday, 7.30 kickoff South Bend time. The game played in Las Vegas at the home of the Raiders. Kalani Sataki is the head coach of BYU. He has been in charge of this BYU program since 2016 and has done some really solid things with this program. Had Zach Wilson as his quarterback, now the quarterback for the New York Jets. Jaron Hall is the next guy trying to do big things for BYU. And through the years, they've had some really good quarterbacks at BYU, Jim McMahon, Ty Detmer, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, and Zach Wilson, one of the more recent, and now Jaron Hall. 12 touchdown passes 
only one interception so far this year, completing right around 70% of his throws. He'll take on a Notre Dame defense that has looked dominant at times. Then there's a little hiccup along the way. They gave up five touchdown passes to North Carolina a week and a half ago. Didn't feel like they did. There were a couple of late touchdown strikes. They had that really good opening drive led by Drake May. But in the middle portion of the game, Notre Dame's defense really took charge of the contest. Now they get ready to take on BYU. And here is Kalani's thoughts on this matchup with the Fighting Irish. You know, had, had an earlier game last week and so took advantage of some extra time to get ready for this Notre Dame game. And, uh, you know, really excited that we get to go out to Vegas and, and play them and, and appreciate them involving us in the Shamrock Series. And I know there's a lot of excitement going into the game, had a reveal of our uniforms, stuff like that. And, I, I mean, that's that's not a much of a – doesn't move the needle much for me. I mean, I just like the fact that our guys are going to play this game and just really excited. It doesn't matter what color we're wearing. Just excited that we get to play again. I'm looking forward to having our guys at their best. Uh, I feel like um, looking at Notre Dame, I mean, they're a talented team, tons of tons of talent, athleticism, speed. And I think, um, you know, looking at, at uh, their coach, Marcus Freeman, is a great coach, man. He's, he's uh, He has those guys believing and playing, and, and uh, they've gone through some adversity, and uh, they seem to get things back on track now. So looking forward to um, a great matchup with them. We know that. They're dangerous, and, and uh, we don't mind being underdogs. So uh, we're going to have some fun with the prep, get ready for this game, and looking forward to the matchup uh, this weekend. Don't mind being the underdog, going to enjoy the prep. You have a feeling that the old underdog label is going to be used a lot this week by the BYU coaching staff. Why not? Heck, why not? You're coming off probably not one of your better performances I would think the coaching staff expected to beat Utah State easier than they did. Now, they wouldn't say that publicly. I'm just saying behind closed doors, I'm sure they're disappointed with the way their football team has played. I don't think they've played their best football the last couple of weeks. Underdog tag is a good way to get the attention of the football team. Plus, you're going to Vegas, and I'm sure the coaching staff at BYU has let the BYU players know that Notre Dame has never lost a Shamrock Series game. Hey, this game is all about Notre Dame. BYU is the opponent. They're supposed to lose this game. This is Notre Dame's big home game taken elsewhere to show off what Notre Dame is all about, have all the game day activities in Las Vegas. So this game's all about Notre Dame, and BYU just happens to be the opponent this time around. Could they be the first team to beat Notre Dame in a Shamrock Series game? I'm sure all those things have been used by the coaching staff at BYU because I think at this point, considering the way they've played recently, I think you need to do whatever it takes to kind of relock in, reload, and maybe re-energize your football team. Give some fresh thoughts to the football team. Maybe the message is getting a little stale. Go a different direction. Well, we've been the favorite here and favorite here, but now, you know, little old 4-1 BYU, they're supposed to lose to this 2-2 Notre Dame football team. Hey, that's a fresh way of passing along the message, getting the attention of your football team. Everybody does it, I'm sure. Marcus Freeman, even though 
Didn't seem like he paid a lot of attention to the odds of the Ohio State game. He did mention the odds to the team. And by the way, the Irish did do a very nice job of covering that game against Ohio State. Notre Dame right around a three-and-a-half-point favorite on a neutral field against BYU. So here is Kalani once again offering a few more thoughts on being the dog in this contest. No, I mean, I, 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 I like the underdog mentality all the time. So no matter what the situation is, I mean, we, we know that we're going against a great team. Uh, Notre Dame hasn't played their best football yet. You know, and you can see the talent. You can see the, 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 the phases and the flashes of, of great, great players and, and um, great scheme and great coaching. Uh, but we haven't played our best either. So I, we're trying to go from that position from good to great. And I'm looking forward to getting that done this week. I, I feel like we're really close. I think the things that, that can get us to, the, to being a great team right now can be the next, the next step forward. And that, that's, that's stuff that we can easily address uh, today. And so hopefully we get that done. And hopefully you see a, a better team on, 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 on Saturday. See us at our best. And that's, that's the whole focus is us playing at our best. And that's my job as a head coach is to make sure that we get there. Uh, I am committed to getting that done because our players deserve it and our fans deserve it. Yeah, I like their offensive line. I'm a little surprised they have not ran the football better against the top teams on their schedule. Running game was not a factor against Baylor or Oregon. And if that's the case, it shouldn't be a major factor in this game against the Fighting Irish. Here is Kalani from a BYU perspective on what this Notre Dame roster looks like. Yeah, everyone's good on their team. I mean, they have depth. Uh, you know, they're coming off of, a, of, a, of an extra week of prep and, and a bye, so they should be as healthy as they've been. Um, but, they, you know, they're really well coached. I mean, I, I – I think their coach has done an amazing job. He's just getting the You see how the players, how they they uh, they respond to him really well. And I, th I think overall, you can see that there, there's a there's a really good team there. I mean, that there's a reason why they're they're ranked preseason so high, and, and and that team's still there, and the players are still there. And there may be a, an injury here or there, but uh, the, the the core of the team is bought into their coach and they bought into the culture, and, and we know how how well. A team can do when the culture is bought into and when everybody's all in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to sit in a room with opposing coaches looking at Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that was number five in the country in the preseason. I think we all agree that was a tad bit high. They play a very good game against a top Ohio State football team on the road. You get the feeling that that performance will translate moving forward against lesser opponents because Ohio State's going to be the best team Notre Dame's going to face this year. But the next week, they lay an egg and lose to a Marshall team from the Sun Belt who has since lost to Troy and Bowling Green. Bowling Green did not won a game until the Falcons took down Marshall. And the Irish got that first win, fighting through having to start a new quarterback and figured out a way in the fourth quarter to beat Cal. And then they rolled over Carolina. We've sat here over and over talking about Carolina's defense being bad. What is real? What is fake from that game? Hey, Virginia Tech only put up 10 against North Carolina last week. So BYU probably looks at this football team as a great football team that maybe hasn't played their best football so far this year. So finally, Kalani offered some thoughts on 1994, 
when he was a fullback for BYU, the Cougars flew into South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish and flew home with a 21-14 victory. One of only two BYU victories in eight previous contests against the Fighting Irish. That was fun. I, I thought, um, you know, you, you just you you you're going against Lou Holtz. You're going against a program that that uh, when I was in high school, we had a lot of guys in the area, St. Louis area, that played uh, for Notre Dame, and, and so um, just seeing everything there in, in in South Bend was awesome. And then being a, a true freshman and playing that game was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I think there's a there's a, a scene, there's a picture that um, Jamal Willis is jumping over on the goal line, and um, my kids saw the picture and it's, a, it's, a, it's framed up here somewhere. And Jamal's jumping over. So it's, it's really cool at the goal line. He's jumping in for a touchdown, and um, my wife says, "Oh, there's Daddy." And so my my kids point up to Jamal, and I said, "No, I'm I'm the guy down here." Blocking for Jamal jumping over the top. That was my um, my. Uh, you could barely, I think you see my stomach or something like that. It was way better back then than it is now. But the um, so much fun, man. And I can tell you one thing: I was really impressed with the Notre Dame fans. Uh, so uh, so much class and getting off the the bus and them them clapping for us. It was it was such a cool environment. Uh, even when we we left with the win. Um, standing ovation as we left. They really appreciated the way we played that game. Um, just just a, a great environment, a great history behind it, and just looking forward to playing them again and, and seeing their fan base in that in that stadium uh, mixed with ours. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then we'll, you know we just this is a football game, so there's going to be it's going to be intense, but there's going to be a lot of respect and sportsmanship and class I know from the fans and definitely from the players on the field. Good memories for Kalani being at Notre Dame Stadium, a part of that BYU team to beat the Irish in 94, 21-14. Here's a bad memory for Kalani. Right now, he's dealing with a special teams unit that they had to have a kicking competition this week in a game, at least according to the spread, that should be tight, maybe go down to the fourth quarter. BYU cannot really rely on on their place kicker at this time. Junior kicker Jake Oldroyd is perfect on extra point tries, 20 of 20. But he is 5 of 10 on field goals, and he has really struggled on kicks between 30 and 39 yards. He's 3 of 8 in that distance. I mean, That's a range where I'm not a kicker, but wouldn't you agree? 30 to 39 yards, you need to be at least 90%. Three of eights not getting it done. Now, this kicker, Olroyd, he first played for BYU in 2016, making three out of four field goals. Went on a mission, came back in 2019. He was 16 of 24. 2020, he was 13 of 13. And last year, 9 of 13, but just 5 of 10 on field goals so far this year. So Olroyd and Justin Smith are in a competition this week. Smith is one for one this year. A 25-yarder was made. His career, three of four, along of 40. So when it comes to field goals in this game, nothing is certain 
from a BYU perspective. Three minutes after 6 o'clock, we've reached the top of the hour. Darren Pritchett with you. Sports Center update coming up. We've got our My 5 question of the day. Five keys for the Irish defense to have success against BYU. Second half of Sports Beat ready to roll on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 15 minutes after 6 o'clock. Welcome back to the program. It's called Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We're here every Monday through Friday from 5 to 7. On 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. Well, bear with me for just a second. I'm going to leave Notre Dame football talk for one minute here because sometimes sports is really, really cool. I mean, it's always cool, but sometimes it's extra special. And this is the end of the Major League Baseball regular season today. There's a handful of players that are making their final appearances in a Major League Baseball uniform. Some may go on to the postseason, but their regular seasons are ending today. Steven Vogt has been a longtime catcher in Major League Baseball. At one time, he was an all-star, spent some good years with the Oakland A's, went back to Oakland this year. He's announced his retirement, and the A's are hosting the Angels this afternoon out in Oakland and his first time at the plate, his kids were the individuals introducing his appearance at the plate. I mean, that rips at your heartstrings just a little bit. I mean, that makes for a perfect final day in the majors. You hear your youngsters introducing you at the plate, man, I would lose it at that particular moment. Well, I think the day just got a little better for Steven. Crazy thought. Oh, drives one. Right field. Did he do it? He did. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's go. And he was strutting around the bases, big smile on his face. His teammates are out of the dugout, gets a hug at home plate. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, that's a line from Moneyball, and it was about the Oakland A's. This is the Oakland A's. But it's true. How can you not be romantic? Man, baseball just has all the feelings at times. And, hey, I've I've lived it this entire year being a Cardinal fan with Albert Pujols just having an amazing second half. He and Yadier Molina going out together into retirement. It's It's been one of those goosebump second halves of the season. And Oakland, they've lost 100 games this year, but that was a very, very cool moment. 618 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's question, what are five keys for the Irish defense to have some success against the Brigham Young University Cougars? Saturday night, 7.30 in Las Vegas, a game that you can hear on Sports Radio 960 
WSBT. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. On the defensive side of the football, for me, we begin with no letdowns. I touched on this earlier. At times, this defense looks really, really good. Played a great game against Ohio State. Was okay against Marshall. Remember, seven of the points given up were on a pick six by Tyler Buckner. California got the job done. A couple of late touchdowns, I think, spoiled. Otherwise, what would have been, I think, considered a really, really good performance against a high-powered, high-octane North Carolina offense. I think you've seen an uptick in the pass rush. Secondary has been solid. I still worry about pass coverage from the linebacking core. But the defense has been good, but they've just been, it seems like a letdown. A possession or two and a half. Everything else great. And then there's that hiccup. Let's see if the Irish can get rid of those letdown moments against BYU. Four. Well, when you take a look at the BYU roster and their stat sheet, it shows that Christopher Brooks is their leading rusher. Brooks has carried the football 49 times for 294 yards. He's averaging six yards per carry, four touchdowns. And you're going to see a lot of him. But Miles Davis has provided a little spark to the running game. Now, I will say he got dinged up against Utah State, did not return. He was brought up in the BYU press conference the other day and didn't get much of an update. It sounded like that there was no negative thoughts on Miles Davis's status for the game. So let's just assume he's going to be good to go. 24 carries, 167 yards. Now, he had a carry of 70, but I like the way he ran the football against Utah State. I think he has sparked this running game. In fact, one of the writers out there in Utah used that same phrase, that Davis has sparked the running game. Brooks is going to be the meat and potatoes guy, but watch out for Davis. He's a guy that has shown that he can break one for this BYU football team. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Five keys for the Irish defense to have success against BYU. Number three is take care of Kiana Hill. Kiana Hill is the Cougars' leader in receiving yards on the season with 329. He has 329 yards on just... 16 catches. The 16 catches, by the way, second on the team to Cody Epps, who has 21. But Epps is only averaging 9.4 yards per catch. Hill is the big play guy. He's averaging 20.6 every time he catches the football. He had four for 57 against Baylor, four for 45 against Oregon, and then he crushed the Wyoming Cowboys Five catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. He had another touchdown catch against Utah State last week. 
I'm not sure who gets the matchup. Does Tariq Bracey take on Keanu Hill? My guess is yes. But that's a guy that can hurt you with yak yards after the catch. Keep an eye on Keanu Hill. Number two. Number two is unleash the hounds. Again, the Notre Dame pass rush is coming off a six-sack game against North Carolina a week and a half ago. Now they take on BYU quarterback Jaron Hall, who's completing 70% of his throws. That means he's way too comfortable. 12 touchdown passes, only one interception. It's time for the Irish pass rush to get him off his timing, get him out of rhythm. There's a lot of preseason clippings on BYU's offensive line. Could be one of the best in the country. It's not resulted in great rushing numbers so far this year. I mean, they've had their moments, but against the best competition, they have not ran it very well. They've been okay in keeping the quarterback hall upright, but I'm not sure the BYU offensive line has lived up to the preseason prognostications. They, they could be a dark horse in that Joe Moore Award given to the nation's best offensive line. They've got an Oregon transfer at right tackle, two veteran players on the left side of the offensive line. Good challenge for Isaiah Foskey, Riley Mills, and that Fighting Irish defensive line. Number one. And the number one key for the Notre Dame defense to have success against BYU You always want to do this, but let's emphasize this week, make BYU one-dimensional. BYU has not ran the ball well against Oregon. Oregon 16th in the country in run defense. That's awfully good. And BYU in that game, 33 carries, 83 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. Baylor 20th in run defense. 24 carries, 61 yards, 2.5 yards per carry for BYU. Now, Notre Dame's defense is not at that level in stopping the run compared to Baylor and Oregon. Notre Dame moved up in the national rankings with the way they slowed down North Carolina. For the season, the Irish are giving up 142 yards per game, 3.9 yards per carry. The 142 yards allowed, 68th in the country, and they have allowed three rushing touchdowns. And again, last Thursday, BYU, 117 rushing yards against Utah State, 3.7 yards per carry. Utah State is 108 in rushing defense. They gave up 188 yards per game over their first five, but BYU had just 117. Utah State gives up 4.7 yards per carry. BYU against Utah State had 3.7. That's why... I'm wondering, is that rushing game regressing the last few weeks? That's your My 5 question of the day. The five keys for the Irish defense to have success against BYU. No letdowns. Keep an eye on running back Miles Davis. Take care of receiver Keanu Hill. Unleash the Hounds, the pass rush, and make BYU one-dimensional. See if they can just take away that BYU rushing attack. 26 minutes after 6 o'clock. Who's going down in the top 10 this weekend? We'll discuss that next on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com 
and on our free WSBT radio app. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Six thirty-four at Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Final day of the Major League Baseball regular season. It looks like the Chicago Cubs will go out a winner. David Bodie, the former South Bend Cub, back in two thousand fifteen, he's knocked in five today. The Cubbies lead the Reds in Cincinnati nine to two in the top of the seventh inning. It looks like the Chicago White Sox will go out a loser as they're getting thumped at home by the Minnesota Twins, 10 to nothing in the bottom of the eighth inning. And the Tigers are somewhere in between. They are 4-4 in Seattle in the bottom of the eighth inning. The brand-new three-game wildcard round will be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday across baseball. If you're a diehard baseball fan, I don't think it matters what day of the week the games are played. For the average fan or maybe the fan that does not have a team in the postseason, not sure Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the most accommodating. If you don't have a team in the playoffs, it's going to be awfully enticing to watch college football on Saturday, the National Football League on Sunday. So Major League Baseball going up against two powerhouse TV audiences, NFL, college football, I think the ratings probably are not going to be very good except for the cities that have their teams playing. And how strange is it today with this being the final day of the regular season and everybody starting basically at the same time today trying to build up drama, everything in the playoff tree was established before anybody played today. There was nothing to play for today whatsoever. The teams are set, and we will get started on Friday with best of three wild card matchups. That'll be the focus of our We Going to Sizzler segment, which is coming up in our next segment here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Now back to one of those powerhouse subjects, college football. Here we go with another week of college football, and we are ready for some week six college football action. Let's look at the top of college football and set the stage for who might be in trouble, who might put their playoff hopes in jeopardy, who's just going to blow out the competition in the top 10. Let's take a look at what to expect this weekend. Well, you take a look at the AP poll, which came out earlier this week. The number 10 team in the country is from the Big Ten. The Penn State Nittany Lions, who are a 5-0 football team. I think there are still things to learn about Penn State. You like their opening win over Purdue, which is, for my money, their best win. 
They knocked off the Boilermakers 35-31. They beat Ohio 46-10. Auburn is down. Don't want to dismiss a road win in the SEC. But this is a down Auburn team that Penn State beat 41-12. Then they knocked off Central Michigan 33-14. I think the score is deceiving from last week. Penn State beat Northwestern 17-7. The weather was lousy. I don't think Penn State pressed the issue. I think their coaching staff looked at that game almost the way Notre Dame did with Cal, that, hey, we don't have to do too much on offense to win this game. We don't think they can beat us offensively. I think the weather was a factor in Penn State's thinking that, hey, Northwestern's not very good offensively. The weather's going to make it doubly difficult. So I think they could have blown them out, but they played smart football, walked away with a 17-7 victory. So Penn State, who they are, is about to be uncovered. Their next three games, October 15th at number four, Michigan. After that, I think a team that's a little overrated, but they are 4-1, and one, It's a home game against Minnesota. And then Penn State will host number three, Ohio State, on October the 29th. If they can somehow win those three games, they're set up for a chance to go undefeated. After Ohio State at Indiana, home against Maryland, at Rutgers, home against Michigan State. So there are some possibilities. Penn State is idle this weekend. Number nine in the AP poll from the Southeastern Conference, the Ole Miss Rebels, Lane Kiffin's got this team playing good football. Now they were tested for the first time last week at home by number seven, Kentucky. And Kentucky shot themselves in the foot a couple of times late with turnovers. Ole Miss got it done beating Kentucky 22-19. Ole Miss should win their next two games. They will play at Vanderbilt this Saturday at 4 o'clock and then a home game against the Auburn Tigers. Then things get very interesting for Ole Miss. How about this for your final five games? Ole Miss could be undefeated going into this stretch. October 22nd at number 25, LSU. October 29th at a struggling Texas A&M. On November the 12th, coming off a bye, they host number one, Alabama. Then a trip to Arkansas on November 19th. The year ends with the Egg Bowl a home game against number 23, Mississippi State. That is a schedule. And let's see if Ole Miss can stay undefeated. The number eight team in the country right now, the Tennessee Volunteers. They've got a top 25 matchup against Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. That game will be at noon on Saturday. And Tennessee is a three-point road favorite. How about Hendon Hooker? A quarterback that couldn't stay on the field against Virginia Tech. What has he done this year for Tennessee? Completing 71% of his throws, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. 
He also has 175 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Tennessee will take on LSU as they come off a bye. Number seven this week, Oklahoma State. They're hosting Texas Tech. It's a 3.30 kickoff, and the Cowboys are favored by nine and a half. Oklahoma State is 4-0. Last week, a win at Baylor, 36-25. The Big 12 is improved this year from top to bottom. It's a lot better conference. They've got Texas Tech this week at number 17 TCU after that, and then a home game against Texas. Oklahoma State with Sanders at quarterback. They have been putting up some big numbers, and they have built off that win over Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. We're looking at the AP schedule for this week. Number six, USC is hosting Washington State. The Trojans at the Coliseum, favored by 13 points for this 7.30 kickoff. Caleb Williams completing 67% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, one interception, six of the 12 touchdown passes to the transfer from Pitt, Jordan Addison. Number five, Clemson. Beat NC State in Death Valley last week to move to 5-0. Clemson will head to Chestnut Hill to take on Phil Dracovic and Boston College. 7.30 kick. Clemson is favored by 20 and a half. Number four, Michigan won at Iowa. Now they head to Bloomington to take on Indiana. It's a noon kick on Saturday. The Wolverines are favored by over three touchdowns against IU. Michigan favored by 22 points. The running game, 5.6 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns so far this year. Blake Corum, 611 yards, 6.6 yards per carry, and 10 touchdowns. Number three, Ohio State will hit the road for the first time this year. Buckeyes are 5-0. They received 10 first-place votes in the AP poll. The Buckeyes will take on a very disappointing Michigan State team in East Lansing at 4 o'clock. Buckeyes a huge favorite by 26.5. Number two, Georgia. Didn't look great against Kent State to their standards. Rallied from 10 down on the fourth to win at Missouri last week. Now they get Auburn. Between the hedges, 3.30 kickoff. I'm surprised CBS picked Auburn, Georgia over Tennessee LSU, but they did. Georgia, a massive favorite by 30 over the Tigers. And number one, Alabama received less first-place votes from than Georgia, but Bama is the number one team of the country after beating Arkansas 49-26, and they did it. For the final two and a half quarters without their Heisman Trophy quarterback, Bryce Young, out with a right shoulder injury. Jalen Milrow, an extremely athletic quarterback, went on a 77-yard run on a crucial third down and 15 play in the third quarter to help re-break open the game for the Crimson Tide. Milroy is 16 of 27 throwing the football at 59%. If Young can't go, Milroy will take on Texas A&M and Tuscaloosa. A&M upset Bama last year. Fighting words between Saban 
and the Texas A&M coaching staff. Good old Jimbo Fisher. Extra tension. A&M not playing great. Bama may not have their starting quarterback. Bama put out a tweet, a video from practice yesterday. It showed wide receivers catching passes, but you didn't see who was throwing the football. Alabama favored by 24 points. Who's on upset alert? I'll say number eight, Tennessee at LSU. Who's a lock to win? I think Bama's a lock to win against A&M, even if Bryce Young does not play. Who's a lock to cover? I think Oklahoma State covers the nine and a half against Texas Tech. And who's a lock not to cover? When you've got a good quarterback on the other side, even though there's deficiencies on BC, I'll give them a fighter's chance at home in prime time. So I'll say the lock not to cover Clemson laying 20 and a half at Boston College. 646 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 651 at Sports Radio 960. WSBT back for one more segment for this Wednesday, October the 5th of 2022. It's our sports wagering segment. Darren Pritchett with you. Well, last night, just one in three on baseball picks. Not a lot of fun picking baseball when you know these games don't mean a whole lot to some of these teams. And I went one in three, actually hit my two-team parlay, which was plus 134. So some really good juice there. Braves on the money line over the Marlins. Astros on the money line over the Phillies. That hit. So one and three does not sound as bad when you hit a parlay like that. But still, one and three is one and three. So all the Major League Baseball games started in the 4 o'clock hour today. Can't use those. Not really interested in NHL or NBA preseason action. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look ahead to the start of the Major League Baseball wild card round on Friday. DraftKings Sportsbook, who I work with now, they've already posted who wins the series odds. So let's go ahead and take a stab at the four winners of the wild card matchups, which are, again, best of threes, and the better-seeded team hosts all the games in the wild card round. This is something I've wanted for years. This makes total sense. Reward the better team with the home field advantage in these wild card games. So I like it. Let's start in the National League. Cardinals hosting the Phillies. The Phillies have dominated St. Louis at Bush Stadium the last few years. The Phillies have the advantage in their starting rotation with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. They've got the ability to pop the ball out of the ballpark from various parts of their starting lineup. It all lines up for the Phillies to upset St. Louis, which is why I'm going with St. Louis in this matchup, hoping there's a little Pujols, Molina, Magic. Jose Quintana has a 2.93 ERA this year. He'll start likely game one for St. Louis. I see why the Cubs gave up Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez for him now. Man, he's been outstanding since being acquired from Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with Scherzer, 
DeGrom, Bassett, and the Mets to win their home series over the Padres. Mets are at minus 175. The Padres are at plus 145. Sounds like Scherzer may go in game one. They might save DeGrom for game three, hoping they sweep. Then they can use DeGrom in game one against the Dodgers. In the American League, I'm going to go Guardians over the Rays. I get the Guardians at minus 130. The Rays are at plus 110, but I'll go with Cleveland. And I'm going to go with the Blue Jays. So I'm going with all four favorites, not on purpose. Blue Jays at minus 170 against the Mariners, who are at plus 140. So let's go Cardinals, Mets, Guardians, and Blue Jays. Sportsbeat brought to you by Budweiser, Four Winds Casinos, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Midland Engineering Company, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, South Bend Orthopedics, Pet Refuge, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, and Legacy Heating and Air. October 5th is always a tough day for me. Nine years ago today, my mom passed away. So I appreciate you keeping me company on what always is a lousy day. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for joining me. And we've got more Notre Dame BYU talk tomorrow, starting at 5 o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 